Welcome back to the Monthly Alts Pulse. I'm Michael Sigmore, co-founder and partner of Broadhaven Ventures and founder of the Altco's Mainstream Podcast. I'm here with Lawrence Calcano, chairman and CEO of iCapital. Here we are, live from the studio in New York. How are you? I'm well, I'm well, how are you? Good, how are things going? Sounds like you had a fun day yesterday. Things are good, yeah, we, we did an outing uh, with two of our golf ambassadors, uh, Cameron Young and Lexi Thompson, and had a number of clients at it. It was really an excellent day, other than the rain, although I, Cam, having just competed successfully and having a top 10 at the Open, uh, the last round being played in the rain, he was quite at home yesterday when the rain started coming down, but uh, it was great. There, it's just so important, the partners you build in, in life, whether they're personal or professional, and both Cam and Lexi are outstanding partners. They're great people. They work their butts off to prepare as golfing professionals, and I think they're terrific ambassadors for iCapital. That's great. I think so much of the building a business is about community, and this is a piece of that. What I won't ask is your golf performance. What I will ask... <laughs> is about private equity performance. So would love to today get into what's going on in the market. I think it's helpful for people to understand how things are going in alts more broadly, yep. some of the things you're doing at iCapital, and then really get into the GP side of things. So last episode, we talked about the LP side yep. and evolution of what they needed to what you're now providing. Want to do the same on the GP side, but before we do that, let's get to what's been going on in the market, what's been interesting flows, trends. I would say, just from a flow standpoint, there's still a significant interest in credit. Income component is still very much on the minds of LPs and very important. You're seeing that in different strategies, you're seeing that in basic credit strategies, you're seeing that in real estate strategies, et cetera. So different ways in which people are looking to get income into the portfolios. And the other thing, which is interesting, it's less of a product flow, but it's more of a market evolution from an LP perspective. And that is the desire to have a more analytical framework to actually make these investment decisions. We just announced the launch of Architect, which is a tool that we've developed to help advisors understand the implications of adding an alternative product, whether it's, whether it's a credit product, uh, a PE product, what are the implications to an, an impact on a client portfolio? And I think that's where LPs are looking for a lot more help. They've had tools to build 60-40 portfolios for a while, and we're trying to provide the next leg of that journey to allow them to understand more specifically the impact of alts on their portfolios. From that perspective, where my mind goes is there's been an evolution of technology and other asset classes things like a model portfolio, yep. make it easy for advisors to build and construct portfolios. How does this get you closer to adding alts into a model portfolio maybe? It's the first leg of it. Historically, the way in which almost everybody invested in alternatives was just based on the manager's track record. Was the manager always in the top quartile or second quartile, et cetera? Um, but they need more sophisticated capabilities to actually make these decisions now. One of the very early value props of iCapital was providing access to top performing managers. But you can't put every top performing manager in a client portfolio, so you need another set of tools. We think this is a very critical next step 
to helping advisors make really good decisions specifically focused on the unique needs of a given client's portfolio. Over time, we think this is, as I said, the first step in actually building out model portfolios that include alternatives. And we take a very partner-like approach to this and are looking to work with some firms like InvestNet and Morningstar and some other firms that are already providing these type of capabilities for 60-40 portfolios. Mm-hmm. And we want to help them and work collaboratively with them to provide the same capabilities with respect to the inclusion of alts in these portfolios. It's fascinating to think about this from the LP perspective. We kind of covered that on last week's episode yep. as well. And then I think a lot of what you're saying about architect, it really does help the LP understand entire portfolio, where alts fits into that, how the risk looks, exposure levels, what's the right type of fund to invest in at a certain time. But interestingly, I think it actually also helps the GP, right? Very because much so. alts are still, to some extent, they're sold, not bought, right? Correct. So how do you think architect and building out ways for the LP to really understand how alts or specific strategies or, or sub-asset classes within alts fits into someone's portfolio? How do you think that helps the GP be able to think about how they should sell or distribute their product? You're spot on. From a GP's perspective, they need to be able to present their product in the context of a client's portfolio. So rather than presenting their product independently, here's the product, here's its attributes, here's its historical performance, the ability to say, and here's how that product will behave in your portfolio it takes the level of understanding from just understanding the product and how it works to how the product might actually work in a client portfolio. I think the GPs are very into, we've already seen the reaction since we've made the architect announcement. They are very excited about it. It's like the old Cy Sims adage. If you remember the men's store Sims, they said an educated consumer is our best customer. And I think in this context, that's a very apt comment because the more you can show how a product works, but how it works in a portfolio, the more understanding that the advisor and their client will have, and presumably the better decisions they'll make. From the outside looking in, it's fascinating to think about the launch of Architect in tandem with the launch of the iCapital Marketplace. Maybe you want to touch a little bit on that as well, but that, I think, in some cases feeds into what you're talking about, where more GPs can now get access to broader LP base, and fundraising so core to the GP's business. Yeah. Effectively lifeblood of their business. And that kind of ties into some of the things around architect. If LPs know where they should be putting a certain strategy or fund in their portfolio, then they can then figure it out on the marketplace. Absolutely. The marketplace provides place. If you think about marketing theory, place, price, promotion, the marketplace is a place where both an advisor can go to see what's out in the market and potentially available to them. Uh, It's a place like eBay or Amazon for a a provider of products to present their capabilities and their products for this very aggregated advisor population. And the key is, how do you give both sides more technical capabilities to enrich that relationship and that interaction. From the advisor's standpoint, tools like Architect help them do a more thorough job in evaluating products, both as standalone as well as in the context of portfolios. 
And from the GP standpoint, the tools that we're providing in Marketplace not only give them the, the capability that I just described in Architect, but also the ability to see what's happening with respect to advisors looking at their products. I think that's very key so that GPs can understand what's resonating, what's not resonating, and have almost the sales reporting capability so they understand how progress is being made or not made with respect to the marketing of their products. This kind of takes us back to the earlier days of both iCapital and the earlier days of evolution of Alt's distribution to the wealth community. Would love to hear your thoughts on what were some of the things that GPs were looking for when you started iCapital and their needs and how that's evolved to today. Because I think some of the marketplace elements feed into some of the things yeah. GPs need, but you have to get there. I, I think in the early days, it, it was literally every GP had a different perspective. Some were very aggressive in thinking about this channel strategically as it related to their fundraising. And others, frankly, were so successful with their institutional fundraising they weren't particularly focused on this channel. It's been an evolutionary process. And now I think it's fair to say that most GPs are very focused on this channel as part of their strategic fundraising strategy. But nothing worth having happens quickly, I think is probably true in most things in life. Certainly was true here. And I think just them understanding the fact that this channel is sticky, it's massive, and can provide a very significant incremental opportunity to raise capital. I think GPs are now highly focused on it. And what I think they realized is their entire infrastructure was built around collecting a small number of very large commitments from institutions. This market is completely the opposite. It's about getting a very large number of smaller commitments. And their middle and back offices just weren't built for that kind of process. That's where I think iCapital has really uniquely enabled the GPs to aggressively bring their products to this market because they don't have to rebuild their whole infrastructure to be able to succeed here. How much do you think back in the early days of iCapital as some of the bigger funds and Blackstone just crossed the trillion dollar AUM mark this past week, a huge milestone, a large portion yep. that comes from the Wealth Channel and in partnership with iCapital to some extent. How much of the challenge for the GP was really due to the administrative burdens. If it was possible for them to take in high net worth capital, they would have versus other things back then. I think it's two things. I think it's both the administrative burden, as I was talking about, their infrastructures were not built for this channel, but it's also about reaching this channel, which is highly fragmented. Blackstone, for example, has built out both the capability to reach the channel with a very large sales group that's out educating and selling product, um, but they've also partnered with iCapital to help process and manage the, the idiosyncrasies of this channel so they can scale. So the, the, the capital comes in almost looking like institutional commitments because of the way we can aggregate. But I do think Blackstone crossing a trillion dollars is an important milestone. It's obviously a very critical milestone for Blackstone, but given their strategy of embracing this channel, I think it's also quite interesting in terms of the success they've had in really executing at the highest level in doing this, but also it should suggest to the world that th this is a very important channel 
given the success they've had. It's an important channel, but not everyone can do what Blackstone has done, either because yes. of size and scale. They've dedicated hundreds of people in terms of yep. resources on the sales side to distributing to, to the wealth channel. Other firms just can't do that. So how do they think about working with the wealth community in ways that may work for them, but also give them the throughput to actually reach the wealth channel, both in terms of education and also product awareness? I think for the infrastructure piece, I comment on um, what we provide in terms of infrastructure support, enterprise software support, is really critical for GPs to be able to really scale the business. And then I think as it relates to the distribution strategy, which is really that second piece, it's a combination of both what part of the distribution strategy should a GP insource versus what part of the strategy can they outsource with external distribution, whether that's with iCapital or a more conventional placement agent, et cetera. But I think there's a lot of opportunity today to your earlier question, that did not exist 10 years ago for a GP to really access this channel at scale. We've talked a lot about educating the LP side and the wealth community on the merits of alts. How do you think about educating the GP side on the merits of working with the high net worth channel? Look, I think that's a great question. I think it was in the classic ticker of the egg dynamic. Early on, it was tough because, as I said, the GPs were very successful in raising capital institutionally. And a lot of them felt like we're only going to raise so much money, we can only invest so much money, and we're full up with institutional commitments. So for a lot of them, it took a while for them to understand that, A, building out their businesses required increasing the sources of capital that they had, and then understanding that this high net worth channel given some of the barriers that we break down for the GPs, not just the LPs, in terms of the operational infrastructure, the technical, the enterprise software piece, as well as the distribution piece, they now have access to this audience that historically they didn't. It's like anything else in life. When you can see a path forward and it's clear to you, you're more willing to go after it. When you don't see a path and you don't see the rationale for the path, it's a lot harder for people to make that decision. So I live in the venture world where many managers have historically not thought they've needed to go to the Wealth Channel or had a smaller yes. group of LPs and maybe fund size dictated that to some extent. What would you say to the cohort of the world of GPs? It could be venture, it could be middle market private equity or smaller funds that may not yet realize or ha yet have the need to work with the high net worth channel, but may or should in the future. I don't know why you wouldn't want to, in thinking strategically about how you grow your firm, why you wouldn't want to create multiple opportunities or multiple avenues through which you can raise capital. I think probably for a lot of folks, they've gotten over the, is this a real channel? Is this a sticky channel? And now they're recognizing that it is in fact all of those things, large, sticky, et cetera, and therefore strategic. I think a lot of people now are kind of crossing that Rubicon and are getting to the place where they're not wondering if they should, they're wondering how do we do this? And that's where we're trying to help them. On that point, what do you think GPs need to do differently in terms of working with this channel? I think many are well versed yeah. in working with the institutional channel. They understand their sales cycles. 
they've dealt with those type of customers. You can have multiple customers in a business. This is just a different kind of customer. Yes. How do you meet that customer at their point of need? Yeah, it's, it's different, right? In some respects, it's like when you market a product in the US, all the labeling's the same. Regional markets may vary, but it's easier than going to Europe, for example, where you've got smaller markets, each with their own regulatory regime. And in the institutional market, Obviously, institutions are different, but the way in which a GP would offer product to institutions was relatively consistent. In the high net worth space, you've got different kinds of investors. You've got qualified purchasers, qualified clients, accredited investors, sub-accredited investors. And what they can and can't buy is different. The structures you use to access those different types of investors are different. So GPs have to think in a more, I'll say complex, but they need to think in a more nuanced way in this channel and understand, okay, how do I access accredited investors? How do I access qualified purchaser investors? And then have different structures. In other words, they have to build product specifically for this. It's one of the things Blackstone has done a great job on. They've built product specifically for this market and the different parts of the market and they've had success. And I think more and more GPs are thinking that way and understand they have to have different types of structures to address and build products specifically for the high net worth marketplace. Do you think those innovations are gonna come from within those organizations themselves or is it gonna come from outside in partnership with the likes of an iCapital or other product manufacturers? I, I think both, I'd say. All of the GPs that we talk to are being really thoughtful and creative about how to access the market. We're obviously trying to provide a utility-like service to them. We're doing a lot of thinking about structures. And by the way, this is a global market. There are high net worth investors that haven't had the benefit of these products in their portfolios all over the globe, in Europe and Latin America and Asia and the Middle East and Canada, et cetera. Part of what we're trying to provide to GPs is the ability to access this market on a global basis, dealing with all the idiosyncrasies, whether they're regulatory or market-based, to help GPs really access this global high net worth space. In your mind, is this something that's gonna really take a lot of time or given the growth of the wealth channel, it's something that can kind of mushroom really fast. People who make predictions of things happening really fast are usually wrong. Having said that, we're kind of on year 10 of this journey. Over the 10 years, things happen really slowly in the beginning, and then you sort of reach a series of little tipping points where adoption grows and so forth. And we see that on our marketplace today within the ecosystem, there's over 170 billion of assets. There's 1,300 funds. Over 100,000 advisors interact with our technology platforms over the last 12 months. 35,000 or so are monthly interacting with our platforms. So we're starting to see these data points where we're crossing another major tipping point. And we expect that to continue. If you look at the allocation rates in alts, they're still quite small. I would say two things are small. One, for those who do the business, the allocation rate is much smaller than the CIOs of the large banks and RIAs are suggesting. So three to 5% versus 20%. The other piece which is important is the participation rate, i.e. how many advisors are doing the business. 
still really small. We expect that we're going to see a higher participation rate on the part of advisors serving clients with alternatives, and then the allocation rate we think will go up across the board as well. When you say that, that things go slow and then they go fast, it makes me think, going back to the Blackstone point, they started in 1985, $400,000 LP capital. That's only 38 years to get to a trillion of AUM. So you say you're 10 years in where we are with alts. That's a great lead in to wrapping up this podcast with kind of where we are with the monthly quote. I know you always have a monthly <laughs> quote. So would love to hear what resonated with you. I only this, this have a monthly quote because you make me have a monthly quote. Um, um, a, a lot of the sort of ideas come last minute or as we talk about accidentally. And I, I put up a, a post on LinkedIn yesterday um, regarding the great day we had with Cam and Lexi yesterday. And one of the guys who uh, is a friend of mine who commented, Frank Trose, uh, he said, a society grows great when old men plant trees whose shade they'll never sit in. And that talks about doing things for others, making investments that will benefit future generations and other people versus only being willing to make investments that benefit you. I think that's a really powerful global comment that if everybody in the world embraced that, it would be pretty cool. Investing for the long term. That's a great way to wrap up this month's podcast. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. I'm Michael Sidgmore here with Lawrence Calcano. We'll see you next time on the Monthly Alt Pulse. Thank you.